Uh, the Bible says in verse 15, then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, check this out, you shall kill him. Wicked, wicked dude. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives, what did they do? Oh, come on, people. Well, are, we, are we reading the Bible today? What did they do? Yeah, they feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women for they're vigorous. We'll do a word study on that sometime. I'm not exactly sure what, what that means. And give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and, they, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. Listen, because when the devil pushes against the people of God, they flourish. And because the midwives feared God, man, God bless them. Check this out. What did he do in blessing them? He gave them families. Can I just say today that your family is a blessing from God? Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, he was fine, he's a fine child, she hid him three months. Her name was Jochebed. When she could hide him no longer, she took... She took for him a basket made of bulrushes, daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it, placed it among the reeds by the riverbank, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister, that is, that's Miriam, said to Pharaoh's daughter, because she was just hanging out. She was hanging out among the reeds waiting for this moment. Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called Moses' mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me. I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Father, this is your word for us today and we thank you for it. God, we thank you for it. We believe that you've appointed this word. We believe that, God, it, it's custom designed for our hearts today. And especially, God, in particular, we pray that you would bless the moms in this room. Father, that you would bless the moms watching online. God, for these women who so faithfully serve and sacrifice. God, endless engagement and effort in raising sons and daughters. God, for these hands and these hearts today, we pray that they would be strengthened. We pray that they would be lifted up. Father, we pray that any burden that's been weighing down upon them, God would be handed over to you and today they would sense and know your joy and your peace 
and your hope and your life. God, we pray that you would build within them a river of living water. And God, for those who've been mourning, we pray that you'd give them a season of dancing. We give you praise today, Father, for not only do you hear our prayers, but more importantly, you hear theirs. And we pray that the God who hears from heaven would answer here on earth in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat today. Well, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And let me say this, moms deserve like a... A radical, raging round of applause. That's what they did. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, okay? Because I want you to get it right. I don't want you embarrassing me, and I don't want you an embarrass embarrassment to yourself. And so I don't want to have to do this twice because it was so pathetic the first time, okay? So I want you to think in your mind how awesome and amazing moms are. Love you to my wife and to my mom who's watching online. Yes, I want you to think how amazing they are and how much they deserve, and I want you to give applause today commensurate to that, all right? So now you can let it rip. That's good. All right. All right, you guys did good. You did not embarrass yourself. That's well done, well done. And you know what? Moms are worthy of celebration. They're worthy, it is good for us. Hey, this should happen every single day. But I think as a society, it is good to take a day and to really affirm moms. You know, we do know that this day is not easy for some of us. Uh, some of you in this room, maybe you want to be a mom. Your heart is there, but circumstances have uh, prevented that. Maybe today for some of you, you know uh, you love your mom, but she's, she's gone to be with the Lord. And so today, while it is a day of celebration and gratitude and reflection, uh, you also bear a sense of emptiness in your heart because of her absence. And we just want to say today that we see you. We want to say today as we celebrate that your need is known not only to us, but to God as well. When I think about Mother's Day, you know, I, I just was kind of surfing back through Mother's Day messages. And, um, and I do, I don't know why this happens, but I land on Jochebed a lot. She's the mother of Moses and she was an amazing woman. She was a warrior mother. You know, she was a warrior mother. She was extraordinary. Her name was Jochebed, but I'll tell you what, she was no joke, all right? She was, she was no joke, and motherhood is no joke. It is impossible for us to overstate the significance and importance of being a mom. The truth is this, motherhood is the gateway to existence. And so, like, how important is it to be a mom or how important is motherhood? Well, you don't even get to live until you're first formed in the womb of a woman, until in that place, right? David called it in the matrix of the womb, in that dark, unseen place. God is at work molding and shaping and supernaturally making a life. Make no mistake about it today. Life comes from God at conception. Life comes from God at conception. Every one of us was formed in our mama's womb. And so mama is the only one who has the right to say, I brought you into this world. You know, you guys can finish that right now. 
And maybe you want to say that to one of your kids later on. But moms are warriors. They're warriors and they're fighting the most significant battle. And because of that, moms really do need to have a warrior spirit. You say, well, what battle is it that moms are fighting? Moms are fighting for the souls of their children. That's what they're fighting for. Moms are fighting for the souls of their children. And I would say to you today that in all of the callings that exist in humanity, there is no holier or higher calling than that. It's been said before that the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. I like that. When we're talking about the significance of a mom, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And can I just say to you today that that hand needs to be a hand that's strengthened by God. That hand needs to be a hand that's strengthened by God. That hand needs to be a hand that's filled with faith, that trusts God that knows how to shape a household of faith. That hand needs to be a hand that's lifted to God in prayer. If you're gonna be a warrior mother, if you're gonna fight rightly for the souls of your sons and daughters, those hands need to be hands that aren't just rocking the cradle, but hands that are lifted to God in prayer. Those hands also need to be hands that know how to hand over their child to the Lord. That is not always an easy thing. Those hands need to be hands that know how to entrust a child to God. You know, Moses is an imposing figure. And, and you know, more often than not, when we talk about Moses, uh, we aren't often talking about the significant individuals that were supernaturally placed around his life to mold him and to shape him. But you'll notice this in Scripture, and it's so interesting to me. When you read uh, Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2, you know God, it's not a mistake that God, he, he tells us, he conveys to us, he communicates to us those significant individuals, those individuals that had important influence over the life of this man who ultimately would become God's deliverer. God's leader, the leader of the nation of Israel, he was the guy that was so significant that in one sentence, John could say that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I mean, that's how significant Moses was, but you know, Moses was shaped, he was shaped, he was shaped by the women that God placed in his life. I do think it's interesting as you look at these amazing influencers at the early onset of Moses' life, what you discover is that there, are, there were midwives, midwives that were willing to defy the edict of a pharaoh and lay their own life on the line. There was Moses' sister who was cruising by the riverside among the bulrushes waiting for that moment where, where Pharaoh would pick up this little baby and then to be there at that intersection of time. I mean, the providence of God in this is extraordinary. But she was there, she was present, she was part of what it was that God was doing. I think about Pharaoh's daughter. Hey, make no mistake about it, there was a, a, there was a mentor that God placed in Moses' life, and it was Pharaoh's daughter. He needed to be in the household of Pharaoh for the calling that God ultimately had for him. But it wasn't just the midwife, and it wasn't just the sister Miriam, it wasn't just Pharaoh's daughter, it was his mama. It was his mother. Jochebed was an amazing woman. She was a warrior. I think she was a warrior, first and foremost, because she had the strength to bear a child in evil times. She had the strength to bear a child in evil times. You know, when we 
look at the nation of Israel, and historically we talk about some of the, the dark times, you know, the deep valleys that they walked through inevitably as you're reading the scriptures, what emerges is this moment of time, maybe one of the darkest times. Like if you were to take the most darkest times, whether that's right grammatically or not, I don't really care today, but if you were to take the most darkest times, you would have this moment and then the moment during the life of Christ. And in this moment, in this crisis, when the nation was in total consternation, where it was evil in your face at all times, I mean, just fathom today if the leader of our country said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put to death. We're going to put to death all those male children who breached the, room, the womb. Now you say, well, wait a minute. It sounds like we have something significant like that happening in our nation already. And I'll tell you what we do. We do to our own demise and to our own shame. And that's something we need to be praying for today, that God would heal our land, that God would change within our whole mindset the framework for the value of life that we would understand that life is a gift from God that is given at the moment of conception, and that we would preserve and protect those babies that deserve to be born into this world and experience the loving kindness and mercies of God. I'm thankful, I'm thankful that the Bible doesn't hide crisis, the Bible doesn't conceal crisis, um, it's important for us to remember that we can be in the will of God and in crisis at the same time. Because, you know, sometimes we have this thought that if we're really walking in God's perfect purpose for our lives, that we will be insulated from adversity. That, that our lives will be preserved and protected from the difficulty or the trial or, or the crisis. But that's just not the case. I mean, the children of Israel were learning how to love God. In the midst of learning how to love God, they were also simultaneously living in a time of great crisis. Just because you have it hard doesn't mean you haven't heard from God. Just because you have it hard, and I have to say this to some of you moms today because you know you know when you walk in that place of crisis and difficulty, you know how the devil is right there to leverage it all against you and to, to seek to isolate you and insulate you from the God who loves you so much. And in that moment of crisis and the, and the challenge, right, when the wind and the wave are raging as we were just singing, sometimes you forget that God is faithful. Sometimes you forget that God really is in control, particularly when your children are struggling and you're thinking, God, don't you see God, don't you care? Where are you in the midst of this storm? And I'll just tell you, he is where he's always been, right in the center. Right in the center. He's in the middle of your crisis. Just because you have it hard doesn't mean you haven't heard. And when we remember that, why is it important to remember that? It's important to remember that because that truth is an anchor. It's an anchor for your soul. When you lose sight of the presence and the power and the faithfulness of God in the midst of your difficulty, you flinch, you fall back, you falter, you fade away, you want to retreat, you curl up into a ball and close your eyes just waiting for the pain to pass instead of finding yourself in the place that Jochebed found herself, a strong, courageous, mighty woman in the Lord. And I'm sure in her day, there were many who were saying, hey, you know what? The world's just too wicked. Like, why bring a child into this chaos and craziness? And I'm thankful that 
Jochebed did not buy that line. She did not buy that line. Could you imagine if she did what the world would have missed in not having Moses? It was the strength of a courageous mother in the face of evil times that ultimately became the legacy that her son would carry. Moses was a courageous man in part because he knew what his mom had done in the face of evil. The way you live today will shape the choices your child makes tomorrow. Make no mistake about that. So you got a moment, there's evil dictators murdering children, crocodiles and serpents seeking to slither up into the basket, an ungodly society seeking to seep into the soul of her child. And let me tell you what she didn't do, she didn't fear. She did not fear, she wasn't afraid. In fact, the Bible says this, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, this is so good, and, read it with me, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Jochebed wasn't wringing her hands. She wasn't finding her sense of self on social media. She wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture. She wasn't trying to live out her teenage years as a 30-something or a 40-something. She was a woman who sacrificed. And let me tell you why she sacrificed, because that's what moms do. Mom sacrifice. Don't you know this is what we celebrate? You guys know this, right? I mean, you think, think about all that moms do. Think about the ceaseless toiling. Think about, think about the amount of effort with very little gratitude. No, what moms get is attitude instead of gratitude. And, and can I just say today, can I just say today, don't just be like thinking, hey, babe, hey, mom, this is your one day of gratitude, suck it up, because 364 is just attitude. <laughs> like we need to carry. Today what we do is we celebrate moms, we recognize, realize, remember, reflect on the fact that so much is given. So much is given, so much goes unmentioned. Like if we really knew all that moms were bearing, it would be so much more significant than we could imagine who is capable of fulfilling that job. And I'm not just talking about the duties around a household, I'm talking about the burdens that they bear. I'm talking about the sleepless nights over sons and daughters. I'm talking about the consternation that they carry moment by moment for their families. Moms are like glue. They hold a family together. And today, moms, we celebrate you. We celebrate you. We celebrate you in a society that doesn't value motherhood. And it is an evil society. You know, confusion rules today. I don't want to overstate this, but it does seem like we're living in a time where Satan's lies prevail. He lies about, to our children, he lies about identity, he lies about sexuality, he lies about gender, he lies about their value. As a consequence, we live in an era, an age where our kids are battling depression, they're battling violence. I don't know if you know this, but Clark County was ranked as one of the most violent school districts in the nation, in the, I'm not talking just the West Coast, 
I'm talking about the nation. By the way, if you're in administration or teaching in Clark County as a Christian, we thank God for you and the influence, the influence that you have. But, but make no mistake about it, this is what our children are growing up in out there in the world, depression and violence and hopelessness and materialism. And you know, sometimes, sometimes moms, this is the way you feel. It feels so overwhelming, right? It feels like this massive wave that's cascading over your family. And so the tendency is to recoil in fear instead of choosing to fight harder. I just want to speak that word into your life, man. When you are tempted to fear, when you are tempted to run, you know, and head for the hills, when you are tempted to step back and just let the culture have its way with your children, God says, no, don't do that. Draw a line in the, sta- in the sand, choose to stand, and choose to fight even harder. Now, now in those moments, in those moments, no doubt, you can feel alone, but remember, you plus God equals a majority, okay? You plus God equals a majority. I love what happens with Jochebed in this situation. As she did choose to stand, she stood in solidarity with other women. There were midwives. There were Hebrew midwives that even though their decision would put their lives on the line. They chose to do the right thing. They feared God. They drew a line in the sand and they chose to be obedient with God, obedient to God. And there was solidarity among these warrior women. When you feel alone, and Rachel and I, when, when we talk to a mom and she's struggling uh, with her children and maybe they've gone prodigal, uh, maybe you know technology is such a, pervasive influence into the hearts and minds of our sons and daughters. Maybe they're bearing that. They come to us. And we, of course, give them biblical counsel, but we say to them, hey, you need to band together. You need to band together. You need to find some warrior women who will go to the mat, who will pray and fast, who will take the salvation of sons and daughters seriously and beseech. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about storming the gates of heaven with prayer because you know what? God hears the prayers of moms. You know, she stood with God for her children and you need to stand with God for your children. And when it gets hard, Right? When it gets hard, when it gets overwhelming, when your husband isn't present there standing with you, and guys, we'll get to you in just a minute, but <laughs> when your hus- husband isn't standing with you, remember, you stand with the Lord, and with God, you have a majority. Amen? She was a warrior, and I believe she was a warrior because she had the wisdom to nurture her child in a household of faith. She had the wisdom to nurture her child in a household of faith. You know, it was a fascinating situation. We don't know a lot of the backstory here, um, but there was so much pressure on Jochebed and her husband that they came to a place where for the safety of the child, they had to put Moses in a little a little basket, a little ark that was built with bulrushes, and they had to entrust him to the Lord, and they had to send him down the river. Now, um, it may be that there were some Israelites who were, who were narking on their neighbors and letting the leaders of Egypt know that there were sons that were being concealed. 
Uh, we do know for sure that there were Egyptians that were rulers over slaves that were present among the, the people of God. And so maybe word got out and maybe there was just this sense that something needed to be done. And, and so while Moses was with his mother for three months, you know she nurtured him in a household of faith. And then we just see the beautiful providential hand of God as he, he is sent down the river, picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, who is then connected to Moses' mother by Moses' sister. I mean, the sovereignty of God. Look, the sovereignty of God. Can we just say today, the best place to put our children is in the sovereign, almighty hands of God. It's, it's, the, it's the best place. And, and sisters, can I just say to you, it's the place of peace. It's the place of rest because when you keep your kids in your own hands, you know what happens. It's tumult, it's turbulence, it's trouble, it's trial, it's anxiety, it's stress. And yet when we place our children in the hands of God, this was what, this was what Jochebed did and you know God providentially worked it so that Moses was back in her care. And she nursed him for a number of years. But while she did, you know the household was, was a household of faith. Songs were sung, prayers were prayed, stories were passed down. He was nurtured. He was nurtured in this place. It, it is interesting to me that the Bible is silent concerning the husband of Jochebed. I don't necessarily know why. It's never really good to fill in where the Bible has chosen to be silent. But the fact is this, more often than not, women are their spiritual backbone in, in the family. Women are the spiritual backbone in the family. More often than not, it's the woman who's leading the way and coercing and, and trying to convince her husband and the children to go to church. It's the woman who's the prayer warrior. It's the woman who has the Bible open. More often than not, unfortunately, that's the case. And so, fellas, let me just say to you today, be the man. You know? You know what I'm saying? You're like, really? Really? Yeah, really, be the man. Be the man, all right? Don't worry about being the man in the corporate, corporate world. Don't worry about being the man on your bowling league or on the softball field when you're hanging with the brothers. Don't worry about being the man in all of these places that real, really ultimately, while they are places of value, they pale in comparison to the influence that God wants you to have on your own family. Be the man at home. Be the man to your wife. Be the man with your children. Lead the way. Lead the way. Encourage a household of faith because you know there's a season for sowing that we have, and it doesn't last very long. There's a season for sowing that we have. It doesn't last very long. You know, we're, we're in a season of change right now, and when we are talking to, Rachel and I are talking to young parents, I mean, inevitably, what they get is this. You know what? It goes fast. That's what they get from us. Oh, it goes fast. And then, you know, these parents are like, yeah, whatever, you old person, you know, whatever. But, but no joke, right? One minute you're in the hospital room with a brand new little baby in your arms. And the next minute they're at commencement graduating from high school. You blink your eyes. And so I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you, you have a season of investing. And that investment is not just in their intellect and their educational opportunities. That investment is not primarily in their athletics 
and their skills on the field, that is not primarily in making sure they have all the accessories of life and so that they stand on level footing with their colleagues and their peers. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but those things are not the priority. Your priority as a parent is to build a household of faith where your child is nurtured as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That, that is the priority. And you can provide every opportunity possible for your child, but if you don't provide grounding in the faith, they will not be prepared for life. She had the wisdom to do that. She was a warrior because her prayers carried her child along the course of his life. Can I encourage you ladies today, on behalf of myself and my wife, your prayers carry your children. Your prayers carry your children. Don't underestimate the power of a praying mom. Don't underestimate it. You know, when we do talk to moms that are struggling and suffering, you know, one of our questions is this, and I know it sounds rhetorical, but we, we, it's meaningful to us. Are you praying? Are you praying? And when the answer is yes, it's like, I'll tell you what, God hears your prayers. Don't build, don't build a denomination over this, okay? But I think God especially hears the prayers of children and moms, and this is why when little kids are around, I'll be like, hey, pray for me, okay? So, super selfish. But I'm like, God, how's God going to say no to this little kid? Like, they're so cute. They're, I can't say no to them. And so, you know, how much more loving is God? Like, God's for sure going to answer their prayers. And I feel, I feel in a similar way about moms. I think moms have a special place in the hearts, in the heart of God. And I think there were nights Nice where she was nursing Moses. She poured her heart out to God. She wept. She pleaded. She begged. She begged. Think about the circumstance that she was walking through and the intensity of the persecution. And you've got this little vulnerable life that could so easily be snuffed out by this wicked individual who had perpetrated this edict. And so what did she do? She prayed. She pleaded. She begged. And God heard. Moses was carried by prayer as he was born into the world. Moses was carried by prayer when he was in that basket, floating down the river Nile with serpents slithering and crocodiles chomping. He was carried by prayer when he landed providentially in the lap of Pharaoh's daughter. And he was carried by prayer providentially back to his mama who nursed him for a number of years. God hears your prayers. Now, I know you might be thinking today, well, does God always answer our prayers? When we pray, does God always answer our prayers? The answer to that is yes, he does. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's a wait. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, and sometimes it's a wait. Sometimes you know when we're praying, we want to pray the will of God, but it's not clear to us. Hannah had a prayer. She was in a really toxic environment. You guys know, you remember from, from the Old Testament. Her husband was married to two women, two women, her and a woman named Penina. And Hannah, she had a barren womb, which was considered to be a curse at the time. She couldn't bear children. And Penina was overflowing with kids, right? I mean, it was like she, had, she was popping them out like nobody's business. She was a baby-making machine. And she was like throwing this in the face of Hannah. 
And Hannah's heart was broken. She prayed, God, please give me a son. And if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. And so you know God was merciful. And in in mercy, her womb was blessed and she had a child. His name was Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. And, And God answered her prayer. And then she was faithful. She presented her son back to God to be cared for in the temple, in the tabernacle. God answered that prayer. On the other hand, you have a woman like Salome. Salome was the mother of James and John, the two disciples of Jesus. And you remember, as Jesus was wrapping up his earthly ministry, mama, Jewish mama, she, you know what, she's a, she's, she's a fighter for her kids. She's unafraid to ask, you know, even the seemingly most um, audacious requests. And she, so she gets her boys of two adult men, I can just imagine they're like, oh, mom, what are you doing? Like, you're just totally embarrassing us in front of Jesus and the rest of the disciples. But she grabs her boys and brings them before Jesus. And she's like, okay, hey, this is my request. I want one on the right hand and I want one on the left hand. And Jesus says, woman, like in a loving, respectful way, woman, you don't know what you ask." Right? I mean, she had the best intention for her sons, but she wasn't really aware of what the perfect will of God was for them. Mama's will isn't always God's will. Mama's will isn't always God's will. It takes a lot of strength to be in a place where you do present your request before God, but then you say, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And I think this is the final thing that really stands out to me for Jochebed. She was a a warrior mother who had the faith to entrust her child to God even when she wanted to hold on to him herself. Even when she wanted to hold on to him herself. She cared for Moses as long as she could. Uh, You know, there are seasons with children. We're in a season right now. Our youngest is graduating from high school this year, and it's crazy crazy how fast time has gone. We were talking the other day and, and just thinking about the coming year, planning some stuff, and it just dawned on us for the first time in 20 years, we're not going to be preparing a child for school. You know, that's a, a big shift for us. Rachel was uh, making a lunch for Levi, and she looked at me, and she said, this is the last lunch I'm going to prepare for, for one of our kids in school. And I'm like, honey, come on, get over it. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, come here, baby. Come here. Come here. You know, and um, because those things matter. Those things mean something. Like we're past the age of elementary and middle school and high school. And now for us, it's college and marriage and maybe someday, God willing, having grandkids, which everyone says to me is the most amazing thing. If people... Yeah, there's a saying that goes, if, you, if we knew how great being a grandparent was, we would have had grandkids first, right? I, I think that's the way it goes. You know, but what we've learned is raising children is like a cross-country relay, relay race. Every leg of the race is different. Every leg of the race is different. Every leg of the race is unique. And I'll tell you right now, we didn't know this until we knew this. We didn't know this until we knew this because you don't know what you don't know. You're like, this is really deep, Pastor. Like, you caught me now. You don't know what you don't know. Can you say amen to that today? Why do we act like we do? 
Why do we act like we do? You know, sometimes when we're just starting out, sometimes before we're starting out, we look at the people who are in it and we think, man, what a bunch of bozos. <laughs> we look at people who are married while we're going through premarital counseling and we're like, man, what a bunch of lamos. I would never do it like that. Honey, we're never going to do it like that. And two years later, you're doing it like that. And it's the same thing with children, right? I mean, you, you got this two-year-old or three-year-old and you think you know everything about parenting. Let me tell you something, you do not. It's part of the process. It's part of the process. Be careful of criticizing something you haven't finished yourself. Be wise enough to know, be wise enough to know you don't really know. And then enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey that God gives you. I love how she was wise enough to know her limitations. She sent him down on the river in an ark because she knew the time had come. She gave him over to Pharaoh's daughter because she knew, knew this was the next step. Moms, you need to know when enough is enough. You need to know when to say something and when to hold your peace. Because if you don't learn that and you never hold your peace, your, your children will tune you out. And then you'll start to think, why don't they listen to me anymore? You need to know when to stand your ground and when to be immovable, when to step back and let them learn the hard way. Because sometimes our children need to learn the hard way. Sometimes that tendency to step in and to solve the problem. I was talking to somebody after the service. His mom was here for the first time. He's like, man, you know what? I was in jail and my mom ch chose not to bail me out. She chose not to bail me out. And I needed her not to bail me out so I could learn the lesson that God had for me. That tendency to step in and to solve the problem. The tendency to be in a place where we're so moved with concern and care. We think we have to be the one who is always stepping in and insulating our child from adversity or difficulty or pain. We think we're doing them a, we're, we think we're doing them a favor when in reality what we're doing is postponing the real work of God in their life. Because it's, it's the adversity that shaped you. It's the adversity that shaped you. It's the valley that you walked through that built within you the godly character that you have today. If it wasn't for the hard times, if it wasn't for the challenges, if it wasn't for those moments where your bank account was empty and no one was there to shell you out a couple more bucks, that you had to trust in God, that you experienced the miracle of God doing something extraordinary, hearing your prayers and providing for you. Don't step in the way. Don't step in the way of what God wants to do. Don't insulate your children. I'm not saying that you have total disregard or neglect. Obviously, I'm not saying that. But you know we live in a society, a culture of enablement. And we think that we're doing our children all these real benefits when in fact we're just replacing God in their life with ourselves. We have to be careful not to do that. She was wise enough and we need to be wise enough to send them on their way in the hands of God, which is where they've always been in the first place. Because, because your hands have been his hands. Your hands have been his hands. You've been a conduit through which the love and the care and the nurturing will of God has worked into the lives of your son or your daughter. You've been faithful to connect the dots, right? 
Because as you're filled with God's love and as you live sacrificially and as you, as you are building the household of faith and praying, you've always been pointing to the Father. Hey, honey, you know, you understand, this is not, this is not me. This is not this expression of love. This grace that you're experiencing, this mercy, this nurturing, this loving kindness, this comes from God. I'm just a conduit of, of God into your life. Make sure you connect those dots. And those hands have been God's hands. It's been God loving your son or daughter through you. For Moses to be the man God wanted him to be, he couldn't stay in mama's house forever. He couldn't stay in mama's house forever. He needed to be mentored in another home. Moses knew what it was like to be born as a slave. He needed to know what it was like to be a master. Moses knew what it was like to be reared in poverty. He had to understand what it meant to have, have limitless wealth. Moses knew what it was like to be in a place of victimization. He needed to know what it was like to be in a place of power and influence. Moses was born in a society that was uneducated, and yet he needed a world-class education because God had a story he was writing through Moses' life. God not only was working through Jochebed, his mother, but God raised up a mentor in Pharaoh's daughter. I'm saying to you, God has a unique will and purpose for each of our children. And our role isn't to try to shape them and mold them into the image we want them to be. Our job is to tune in to God's frequency and try to connect with him as much as possible to understand what it is that he is seeking to do. And that means there's going to be times where you have to let go. That means that in those moments when you want to hold on as tightly as you can and God's saying, release them to me, you need to make a choice. And that choice is hard because sometimes you know our identity is wrapped up in our children. You know, and understandably so. Like you pour in and you invest for 5, 10, 15, 20 years it's understandable that you would connect your sense of identity with your child, but let me say to you today, your identity is not in your child, it's in God. God is the one where you find your sense of self. Sometimes you know it's not our sense of identity, sometimes we don't think they can make it without us. We don't think they're gonna be able to survive without us protecting them. And you know, we send, our, some of you, our friends are sending kids off to colleges, secular colleges across the country. And you know, it's a big step because you know that, that culture is just so toxic. I just wanna encourage you, I gave my life to Christ on a secular college campus and God is at work there. Sometimes you think, well, I won't be there to protect them. I won't be there to insulate them. But can I just remind you today that God has been the one protecting them the whole time. Sometimes we have a hard time giving our children over because our own sense of comfort is in their presence. We love to have them around. I totally understand that. You know, Levi, our youngest, is, uh, we have three children, if you don't know, Alec and Hannah and Levi. And Levi's gregarious. He was born with a brain that is constantly churning out thoughts and a mouth that constantly shares them. I mean, it is, it is fluid and it is amazing because it's, it's always humor, it's always uplifting. And we've thought, man, what's it gonna be like when Levi leaves, you know? I mean, we talk too, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be pretty quiet. Your sense of comfort doesn't just come from your children, it comes from the Lord. 
Your sons and daughters aren't meant to be babies their whole lives, right? They're always going to be your baby, right? They're always going to be your baby. Alec gave announcements today, and at 24 years old, he's still my baby. My, my girl is always going to be my baby. She is my baby baby, you know? You know, it's like, but your baby's your baby isn't a baby forever. Sometimes we've got to let them grow up and learn life, learn life on this journey that God has for them. Because God, you know, will bring other people. He'll bring leaders and mentors into their lives. They need that. Moses needed that. Moses needed the influence of others to shape him into the man that God wanted him to be. So moms, pray for the influencers in the lives of your sons and daughters. Pray that they would be good and godly and that they would be used by God to shape them into the image that God has for them. There's a season of releasing that comes. But can I encourage you today, the rooting is always what they return to. Hebrews says this, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So as sophisticated as Moses became, he never forgot where he came from. And that's because of the foundation of faith that his mom had laid. Society doesn't need more whining and complaining. Society doesn't need more conspiracies and controversies. Our society does not need more gossip and murmuring, more cajoling and conniving. Our society today needs mighty women. Our society needs mighty women, mighty women of God who will stand up in such a time as this. Women who will draw a line in the sand and say, not on my watch and not with my children. Women who will be on their face in prayer who will commit themselves to fasting, who will stand strong when the tide of the culture seems to be overwhelming, when everyone else is falling back in retreat. What we need right now is strong women of God to stand up and to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 